That was beautiful. Thank you, choir, ensemble. I loved reading books to our boys when they were little. They had their favorites, I had mine. Where the Wild Things Are ranked pretty high for all of us. I think it was because on those pages in the middle of that book where there are no words printed because Max declared, let the wild rumpus start. And when, when we got to that page and you turn through those pages with every page turn without words, we had to do the dance that we made up called Do the Wild Rumpus. I know you want to see it, and I do remember it, but I will not show it to you. <laughs> but my all-time favorite children's book is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I love lima beans, by the way, if you know the book. But other than that, Alexander had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I think it's my favorite book because it's so real and it's so true. So often it's not just one thing that goes wrong in a day or in a series of days or in a long stretch of living, but often it feels like a lot of things or everything goes wrong. There's certainly moments in life when you find yourself thinking, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't handle one more thing. I'm about to go right over the edge. We all have those days or those stretches of days. And usually we are speaking in exaggeration or out of exasperation. We know it's not as bad as it seems and this too shall pass. We know it on some level, but in that moment it is so real. I've not spoken from the pulpit in any detail about the last 10 months of my life, but I can tell you with all honesty that there were a few stretches along the way when I thought, I'm at the end of my rope, I can't handle one more thing, I'm about to go right over the edge. For about a month, I think, it was that long or longer, I basically did not sleep. Maybe three to four hours a night was all, and there was one day, one day, and I remember it so vividly when I felt so scared, so tired, so worried, so anxious, so defeated. It was October 15th, our younger son's birthday. Bless his heart. I tried to pull myself together enough to call and wish him a happy birthday. He answered his phone as he walked across Furman's campus, and I summoned the cheeriest tone I could muster. Happy 22nd birthday, Bennett. Thanks, Mom. And then I promptly burst into tears and proceeded to unload my terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day to him. What a birthday. To back up from October 15th, I'll back up one week prior. I was told over the phone by my pulmonologist the words everyone hopes they never hear. You have cancer. Lung cancer in the middle of a global respiratory pandemic requiring the removal of one lobe of my lungs. 
five weeks before I was to perform our older son's highly modified with COVID protocol wedding. It's a moment that if you've lived it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't lived it, spend a few moments in gratitude. It's head spinning, gut wrenching, and terrifying. I can see some of you nodding your heads that have lived it. So then the phone calls with doctor's offices begin and the scheduling begins. And the first thing these days that happens before any pre-surgery test can be done is that you have to have a COVID test. I really dreaded, I mean, I seriously and intensely dreaded that stick up my nose. As it turns out, in comparison, it really wasn't that bad after all. On the morning of October 15th, a woman called and very, might I say, nonchalantly said, you've tested positive for COVID. Really think she should have said that more gently, more caringly. I really feel sorry for her because I instantly burst into tears. Are you having symptoms? No, I feel great. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And that was the moment I thought, I cannot handle one more thing. I've never responded in the way that I did to that news, to anything else in my whole life. I have never sobbed like I sobbed that day. I sat down in a chair in the corner of our den for six or seven hours without anything to drink or eat. I honestly don't recall getting up from that chair for those solid stretch of hours. And mostly I just sat there and cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. And if anyone had dared to utter the words to me, well, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, I would have completely come unhinged right there. Thank goodness Russ knows better than to say dumb things like that. And every person that I talked to on the phone knew better than to say dumb things like that. Why do we do that? Why do we put those kinds of things on God? We give God all the credit when the tornado doesn't hit our house. How does that make the person whose house was completely obliterated next door feel? And why do we saddle God with all the blame when anything goes awry? Why am I being punished? What did I do wrong? Someone called the office this week looking for someone to talk to. She needed some spiritual guidance. She'd been calling lots of churches trying to find someone to explain to her why God had allowed this to happen to her. Why would God let this happen? Where is God in all of this? She had desperation in her voice. She would understandably not have taken kindly to, well, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I've got to go now. An hour later, I have an appointment with her at a coffee shop in about three weeks because what she needs is somebody to talk to. 
and listen and not be trivial with spiritual things. When we need someone to blame, perhaps it's easy to lay that on God. But then that's a scary thing too, so we spiritualize it with bad theology like God doesn't give us more than we can handle. It's just not true. Life is coming at us at every turn. Life is bombarding us with goodness and tragedy. Life is bringing joy and pain. And God is with us in this life that is filled with weddings and cancer. I can bear witness to that. I felt it. I feel it. I believe it. I don't know how I would have survived the last 10 months of my life without God, without my faith in God, but God did not give me these things. The preacher from Ecclesiastes is so honest, which is what religion needs these days. Good things don't always happen to the best people. The fastest don't always win the race. The strongest don't always win the fight. The smartest don't always make the most money. The most talented don't always receive the accolades. But as the preacher proclaims, time and chance happen to them all. In other words, life happens, then you die, and God is in the midst of it all here and there with us, beside us, behind us, in front of us, over us, under us, within us, surrounding us with love and strength and courage and wisdom, if only we can reach out or reach up or reach down to receive it. And in all of God's wisdom, God knew that we could not do this alone. We could not do this life alone. And so God created us to be a communal people so that we might share in each other's joys and bear one another's burdens. The sermon today is really preached in your opening meditation that's written on your bulletin and was at the beginning of the service online. Tim Fall writes these words, God won't give you more than you can handle is idolatry of self-sufficiency hiding behind spiritual-sounding words. Idolatry of self-sufficiency. The truth is people are dealing with more than they can handle all over the world. That's why we need God and why God has given us to each other. I know, he says, I've had more than I can handle more than once. God gave me strength and God gave me people who come alongside me to bear my burden when I couldn't. I hope to do the same. I do too. The truth is... I couldn't decide which way to go with this sermon. It could easily be a social justice sermon about any number of topics. Homelessness or hunger would just be the low-hanging fruit. 
Walk into any shelter or any tent encampment and look into people's eyes and with a straight face try to explain to them all about God not giving them more than they can handle. Or find your way into any psychiatric ward where people are depressed and despondent and talk to some, or talk to someone who has tried death by suicide and try telling them, God won't give you more than you can handle. What kind of God tests people this way? What kind of God manipulates people this way? I guess it's people's warped way of trying to say you're stronger than you think you are. So just say that. You can do hard things. You've got this. Or better, we've got this because God has given me to you so that we can get through this together. But please, don't blame God for what life hands out. That's bad theology. But I decided not to take the social justice road. Instead, I want to take a very pastoral road. For all of you who are at the end of your rope, for all of you who think you cannot handle one more thing, for all of you who are about to go right over the edge, you're not alone. You are a beloved child of God. And if you are hearing this in this room, in this moment, out there, in this moment, or you're watching this sometime next week or next year, we have been given to one another in community. You are not alone. And yet I know that when you are in those places, you cannot see it, you cannot feel it, and you cannot believe it. So don't sit in your darkness and in your despair all alone. Life often gives us more than we can handle. That does not make you weak. It makes you human. Time and chance happen to all of us, and it takes risk and vulnerability and so much courage to let people in. I hope and pray for that kind of bravery and strength for you. And for all of you who know someone at the end of their rope. And for all of you who know someone that cannot handle one more thing. And for all of you who know someone teetering on the edge. Make that phone call. Send that note. Show up at their door and be the presence of God for them. Give them your listening ear. Don't just hand them a Kleenex, but shed tears with them. Create a safe space for them to tell the truth of their pain without fear of judgment. Don't offer quick fixes to what you can see are seemingly insurmountable problems. Don't diminish where they are. Don't go for the silver lining. Don't try to make things better, at least not too soon or too flippantly. 
there are some things that cannot be fixed. In those moments, you keep a holy watch, a sacred vigil until they can get through it. Because if you remember, sometimes time does indeed help. Life sometimes gives us more than we can handle. In those times, may we be there for one another and trust that God is always with us in all the weddings and in all the cancers. May it be so. Amen.